Well, good morning, Cross Point. Thank you for taking time to join us this morning. Man, we are so glad that you've tuned in. I know that we have hundreds, if not thousands, across this nation and around the world joining us this morning in this live stream moment. Thank you again for taking time to be with us. And I know, I know that you believe in a Savior named Jesus Christ, who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's given you hope and life everlasting. You have praised His name with the praise team today, lifted His name on high. We've gathered around the Lord's table to uh, commune with one another and with our God, celebrating that empty tomb after the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. And we'll dig into the Word of God this morning to see what the Spirit's going to lay on us to live out this week and in the week's ahead of our life. You might want to go ahead and grab a Bible. We're going to be in an Old Testament minor prophet book this morning, and then for the next three weeks, the book of Habakkuk. And so I'll give you time to find that that Old Testament book and uh, grab your Bible, and we'll be in God's Word here in just a few moments. You know, it's been an exciting journey and certainly a lot of newness over these last 12 weeks. You know, this is the 12th Sunday that we've not gathered together as a group of people in one place. Although we have been the church every single day, no matter where you found yourself, around your kitchen table on Sunday mornings, in your living room, as you have served God in lots of different ways throughout the community in the course of the week, we thank you for you continuing to be the light that Jesus has called you to be. You know, He is the light of the world, and we want to reflect that light to all that we come in contact with. You know, we are at the very end of our hibernation time, if I can call it that, because Crosspoint is going to reopen June 14th. We want to let you know that, and this week there's going to be a very detailed video come out about what you can expect when you return to Crosspoint and what we expect from you when you come back to Crosspoint. So please uh, be, be noting that uh, that's going to be coming out on our app our website, on our social media sites. Uh, For those that have placed membership here at Crosspoint, you'll be getting a letter in the mail with all of those details as well. So pay close attention. June 14th is the day that we're going to reopen, and we are looking forward to being back together. We have added one service, so now on Sunday morning, there'll be three opportunities for you to to come and be a part of, uh, but there's a way to make that happen for you and your family. So uh, be in the know that that information is coming your way this week. Now, I want to pause for a moment because Luke has already gone there and expressed his heavy heart with things that have happened in our country over the last week, and I too join him in that sorrow. You know, we're all created. All of us are created in the image of God. It doesn't matter your skin color, your nation of origin, what language you speak, where you fall in the socioeconomic scale. It doesn't matter if you live in the South or the North here in the United States of America. It doesn't matter. God loves you no matter what. And I join God in that sentiment. We here at Crosspoint, our leadership team, wants you to know that we love you, we respect you, we journey with you. And we want you to know that the events that happened uh, with George Floyd last week. The, the authorities that were in the mix. The city right now that is rioting in Minneapolis. Other large cities across our nation that are rising up in anger for the injustice that continues to happen. And not only for the event last week, but our political system is at odds with one another. We feel racial tension everywhere that we turn. The socioeconomic differences between many of us grow wider and wider. 
And so I want to take just a few moments for us to have a moment of silence just to reflect on where we're at as a country and where we should be as people of God, where we should stand with one another in unity. We're called into unity in Christ, that there is no one person, no one race, no one skin color better than anybody else. We are all on the same playing field at the foot of the cross. And so we, as we think about the lives that have been affected over this last week, the many different families that have been adversely affected because of events that have transpired, we want to remember them in prayer. So I'm going to ask you just for a few moments, if you would kind of bow your head in silence as we think about how our story plays into that story and calling on God to affect all of us in the process. And then I'll close us out with a word of prayer. Let's take a moment of silence. God, we come to you this morning on bended knee with humble hearts. And God, we, we look at our nation and the world in which we live, and we realize that it is chaotic at best. And God, we pray for wisdom and discernment. We pray that you would heal our land, that God, you would pull us back together as a people, that we would look to you and your son, Jesus Christ, for the hope that only he can provide us as a nation. I pray, God, that you would soften our hearts, that we would open our ears to the stories that are being told around us, that we would not turn a blind eye when things are done that are out of character and not right. I pray, God, that you would give us the willpower and the strength to be the people of God you've called us to be. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that he is inclusive of all people. And I pray, God, that we would carry that sentiment every single day of our life, whether it's through the words that we speak, our behaviors and actions that we experience every single day. God, thank you for your son, for the example that he set for us. He is the light of the world, and I pray, God, that you would allow us to let that light be shown through our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I came upon this idea of GLOW for this next series, which we're launching today out of the book of Habakkuk, because I was thinking about my youth ministry days, and there were 20 years while I was in youth ministry. I've been preaching now for seven years, but I remember I've been a part of so many different camps, so many different fall retreats and spring retreats with students, and the same exact thing happens every single time that we start a bonfire. Every single time, I bet you've experienced this as well. We can be in the middle of the campground, in the middle of the area where we are located, maybe by a river, could be by a lake, in the middle of the woods with the woods all around us, the darkness creeping in late at night. We start a fire, everyone gathers around, and maybe we start with s'mores. Uh, of course, got to have s'mores in the process. But then we might evolve to, to singing worship hymns or telling stories about how Jesus has changed our life. And we focus on the glow of the bonfire. Right now, we live in a world that is full of darkness, weird, strange noises. Things are not as they should be. There's a lot of tension. And in that moment, as we live in this crisis of our own world and culture right now, 
Our call is to stare at the glow, is to look to the glow. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, and Jesus is that glow. And so the call for all of us is that we would fix our eyes on Jesus no matter what is going on around us, no matter the darkness that might exist, the noises that come out of the darkness, the chaos that seems to be all around us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And my guess is that if you're like me, Jesus has absolutely transformed your life in a positive way that you never could have done on your own. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this morning. Whether you're around your kitchen table, maybe sitting in your living room, I don't know where you might be located. But if Jesus has changed your life, I want you to stand up right now. Stand up and be recognized. Know and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, that he's changed your life for the good. And we're so grateful to have Christ in our life. Well, my guess would be on the other side of that camera, a lot of folks stood up recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord. You can go ahead and sit down. But thank you for showing that moment to let others know around you how much Jesus means to you. You know, we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk for the next three weeks, and he's an interesting Old Testament prophet. He, he was uh, on the earth about 600 years before Jesus was born, and he was different than most prophets. Most prophets heard from God and gave the message to the people. But Habakkuk hears the people's cry for help, and he speaks to God. So it's kind of in the reverse order with Habakkuk. You see, Judah used to be this wealthy area, very much the mainstream. All of the different cultures had to go through Judah in order to get to the other side of the known world. They were God's people. They were well off. They were prosperous. But Habakkuk looks around him right now in our story and sees that things are not as they used to be. Things are not as they should be. And he's a little confused and doesn't really understand because he knows the person God is, and he has some questions for God concerning what is going on around his world, in his country. Maybe questions like you and I do as well. And 2,600 years ago, the questions that Habakkuk asked of God are the same questions that you and I are asking of him today. We start with the question is, why doesn't God seem fair? Where is God in our story, in our chaos, in the mess, in the tension? Where is God in our struggle and our story? Because we've read the stories in God's Word and we know the kind of God He is. We know the power that He possesses. And so maybe some of you have been asking the question, you know, God, I know that you're there. But why aren't you doing something about the COVID-19 event? We're at over 100,000 deaths in America right now. When does it end? We look at the tragedy that happened in Minneapolis last week, and we ask the question, God, where are you in the moment when authorities go over the line, when they take too much on their own shoulders? We look at world health and the total pandemic that's going on right now around our world, and we wonder, God, why don't you intervene in the moment? We look on the continent of Africa and children who are dying every day because they don't have enough to eat, and we wonder, God, where are you in the moment? We look at the racial tension that exists in our own country, and we wonder, God, can you not bring us together in unity? We look at cancer that continues to run rampant everywhere. 
And we know God could do something about that, and we ask the question, why don't you do something? Many of you have lost your jobs because of the COVID-19 event, and you're wondering how you're going to put food on the table and pay the rent. You see your kids who are adult children now and have walked away from God, and although you pray for them every day, you wonder when God is going to bring them back home. And you just don't understand. It's much like the the world Habakkuk lived in in his moment in time. And in chapter 1 and verse 1, God reveals to him, gives to him a vision, and it becomes a real burden, a weight that Habakkuk has to bear as he interacts and dialogues with God in this very difficult moment in their history, much like our current cultural scenarios that are unfolding in front of us. Take a look what he asks of God, beginning in verse 2. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all of this misery? And Habakkuk is pressing God, Where are you in the chaos and in the darkness? One thing I really like about the prophet Habakkuk is that he is raw and he is real. He's just laying it out on the table. God, this is how I feel. This is how I see it. And I have some questions. I know who you are and what you're capable of. And I want to know where you are in this story. What's going on in my life? It's interesting when you look at the name Habakkuk and translate it out of the Hebrew, it literally means to wrestle and embrace wrestle and embrace. It's exactly what Habakkuk is doing with his God. He knows exactly who God is and what he's capable of, but what he sees around him isn't lining up with the storyline that he knows God is capable of, so he's wrestling with it. He's embracing God, not letting go of God, but he's still wrestling with what is different around him. He wrestles and he embraces. Now, I want to give you a warning this morning. This is not a sitcom sermon. Now, I, growing up, had my own sitcoms that I enjoy, a 30-minute segment of television. There's usually a lot of laughter. There's some tension in the moment, too, that's resolved at the end. But in 30 minutes, everything is made right. So growing up, I was uh, really watching Happy Days and The Andy Griffith Show. Maybe for you, it was The Office, Park and Rec, uh, Friends. I don't know what your particular sitcom uh, poison was, if I could call it that. But, you know, when it opens up, you've got the whole gang there. Everyone is pretty happy, but fairly quickly, there's some tension in the story. And by the end of the 30-minute segment, the tension is resolved and everybody is happy once again. But life is not a sitcom, certainly not one that typically is resolved in 30 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 weeks. Sometimes it's 30 years before you get resolution. I mean, real life could be that this COVID-19 event has caused you to lose your job, lose your career field. And so you've been sending out resumes all over only to get feedback like you're overqualified or we have nothing for you here. Maybe the one call that you got was something that paid well below what you were making before and your title has changed. Things aren't working out like you had hoped. It's not a, not a sitcom moment for you. Maybe you're, you're working on your marriage only to, to discover that your spouse has stepped outside those marriage vows. And when confronted, they deny really what's going on, but then blame you for them stepping out. 
And you're wondering, how, how is that okay? Why is that fine? Or maybe you're not feeling well and you've gone to visit the doctor only to discover that you've got cancer and so you go to war against cancer. You pull in your friend group, they pray with you, pray over you, lay hands on you, you begin to eat better, you, you take part in the chemo and the radiation, but at the end of the story, cancer wins the day and we begin asking, how is that okay? Life is almost never a 30-minute sitcom. And while I believe in Christian theology, when my friends look and say things like, trust God and let go, I believe that 100%. But right now, your faith is wrecked, and you're wondering where is the fairness in life as a believer in Jesus Christ? Why is this happening to me? It doesn't feel good in the moment because you know, based upon the stories you've seen in God's Word, that something could be done. He could come to the rescue, but in your mind, He's not. And you're wondering, how do I work through this? Our story continues in verse 3. Habakkuk says to God, whenever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. He continues to be very real with God. He's embracing God, but he's wrestling with the life that he sees in front of himself. And Habakkuk has the same problem that some of you are experiencing today. What are some of those problems? Some of you may be saying things like, well, it just doesn't seem like God really cares about where I'm at in my particular story. It doesn't seem like God is doing much when actually I know that He could. And the very things that He is doing are not affecting me in a very positive way. It just doesn't seem fair. I mean, let's be honest this morning. Raise your hand if you were God, you would do things differently. I'm raising my hand. I'm sure most of us on the other side of that camera are doing the same thing. I mean, is it ever okay to ask God about what's going on in your world to push back a little bit? When we read through the Psalms, David writes about a third of those Psalms, all of them pushing back and asking questions about God, the situation he finds himself in, and why life isn't working out like he thinks that it should. Other books of our Old Testament are written in kind of the same way. We're talking about Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Job, Jeremiah, all written th from the perspective that life seems unfair, that righteous people are suffering, and God, where are you in the mix? Now, if you're anything like me as well, you've had a moment in your life, maybe more than one, called a crisis of belief. Now, a crisis of belief is something that happens to you that makes you question your faith in God and, and maybe the direction spiritually that you've chosen to go. And it typically looks like this. You start out very excited about Jesus Christ and all that he's going to do to you, change your life, transform who you are. You start out and you move almost right away to the mountaintop because you know your life has been changed. You've been forgiven. You have now full eternal life in Christ Jesus. You're on that mountaintop experience and you begin to live that out. But something happens in your life that makes you kind of 
pull away and off of that mountaintop experience. It's that moment where you have a crisis of belief, where you're actually thinking through, hmm, I believed, but I'm wondering now about that belief, and it could be any number of things. Maybe you were engaged to the love of your life only to discover that your fiancé stepped out on you. Maybe you have understood after some research and going to the doctor that your spouse is now chronically ill for the rest of their life. You've got adult children that you raised up in the church, and once they left home, they also left God and the church, and you're wondering, how does that happen when I did everything that I could as a parent? You may have lost your job somewhere along the way, and the return afterwards just has not been what you thought life was going to look like. I don't know what your particular crisis of belief has been, but there's a moment in your life that kind of pulled you off the mountaintop, that made you reconsider and think, what's going on? Now, most people think that there are a couple of options that you could do in this moment. One is that you could just say, you know what, I tried church, I tried God, I tried religion, I'm done, I'm not sure about faith anymore, and you just throw it all away. That's one option. Another option, a second one, would be to pretend that you're still on the mountaintop and the negative things that are going on in your life just really are not happening. But I would propose to you that there's a third option. And that third option is what we see Habakkuk doing in his story, and that is embrace and wrestle. Don't let go of God, but continue to ask questions. Continue to plead with him about your story and where you find yourself in the mix. And most of the time, if we choose option three, does life get really better? Many times not. Sometimes it even may get a little worse. The half-brother of James, of Jesus, James, in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, he says this, When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James reminds us that as followers of Christ, we're going to have chaos in our life. There's going to be darkness at times in our life. There's going to be trouble in our life. And what we're reminded of in nature is that really nothing grows on the mountaintop. It's a great view. But above the 12,000-foot line, nothing really grows. All of the water and the richness is in the valley. That's where real growth truly happens. And I'm speaking from experience. My faith is at an all-time high with Jesus Christ. But it's because I have had to walk through a couple of valleys in my life, and usually the, project, the trajectory is that we hit that mountaintop experience, we have a crisis of belief, but if you choose option three, if you embrace and wrestle, you will come back and your faith will be even greater than it was before because God's revealed himself to you. Now, it's interesting that God does respond to Habakkuk as he's asking these questions. Habakkuk is saying, listen, I don't, God, understand what is going on. And then God responds in verse 5. It says, The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day. In other words, Habakkuk is going to see what God is doing. 
something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. You can just begin to see Habakkuk begin to salivate a little bit. All right, God, now this is what I'm talking about. We're moving in a direction that's going to be better. We're going to prosper. We're going to be healthy again. The fires are going to go out. People are going to get along. Our neighbors are going to be pleased with us. We are going to be happy again. But I want to remind you that in a sitcom sermon, this is where I typically introduce the light at the end of the tunnel. This is the moment where I reveal the goodness of what could happen. For instance, when we left Kansas City to move here in 2013, we didn't know exactly this particular storyline that was going to happen. In Kansas City, we have a great gas station called QT. We've got them down here too. Incredibly clean, a lot of good things in there to eat, drink, take care of. People are very uh, courteous to you. It's a very great, good gas station. We get the Texas in 2013, and guess what we experience? We're driving down the road, and we see this thing called Bucky's. I know what you know what I'm talking about. We pull in, and oh my goodness. I mean, this is like top shelf. This is crazy. You walk in, pumps everywhere. Everyone is super nice, very clean store. Every imaginable snack and drink you could possibly want. On top of that, there's a clothing section and home decor. I mean, the list goes on. It's like mind blown. We thought we had it good in Kansas City. And we got here and now we, we have to stop at Bucky's every time we're on the road and we see one, we pull over to be a part of that. In a, in a sitcom sermon, that's kind of how it works. The light at the end of the town, something better that's coming down the road. But God tells Abraham, I'm going to do something that you've never seen before. God says, I'm going to use the Babylonians to get your attention. Now, you need to understand in this moment, the Babylonians are the world power and they are a mean-spirited people. They're the enemies of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, earlier, the Assyrians had been the world power. They had taken the northern tribes into captivity, and the ten tribes of Israel were never seen or heard from again. But the Babylonians have risen to power. They conquered the Assyrians, and now they are the reigning power. They're a people to be feared. And God responds in verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like the sand. He says, I'm about to bring justice for the sin that you have in your land. I need to get your attention again. I want to bring you back home. But to Habakkuk, it makes no sense at all. He doesn't understand the situation. And as I think about the culture that we live in right now, the things that are going on in our land right now, all of the different tensions that we feel from all different areas of our life, the question I have to ask is what does a committed follower of Jesus Christ right now in our culture do to continue to look at the glow, to fix our eyes on Jesus? How do we make sense of what is going on? And I propose to you this morning that they can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. That we too, like Habakkuk, can wrestle and embrace the God that we love. We can be a part of what he's doing in the world. It's exactly what Habakkuk does. Take a look at verses 12 and 13. 
Habakkuk says, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal. He's embracing. Surely you do not plan to wipe us out. He's wrestling. O Lord, our rock. He's embracing. I have, have these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. He's wrestling. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. He's embracing. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? He's wrestling. And like Habakkuk, we are called to embrace and wrestle. Embrace and wrestle. And if you're there right now, I want you to hear me clearly. God knows your story. He hears your cry for help. He understands the pain that you're experiencing right now, and he welcomes your questions. I know in my gut that God would rather you yell at him about what's going on than walk away from him. He wants to be a part of your story. And when you hit that crisis of belief, don't deny where you are and don't walk away from God. Let your doubts drive you to embrace God more than you ever have before in your entire life. Make this moment of chaos, darkness, and tension be the moment that you grab hold of God's hand and not let go. There are some questions that I've asked myself during my own journey. Maybe they will help you as well. What if drawing closer to God, developing genuine intimacy with Him, requires you to bear something that you thought unbearable at a point? What if it takes real pain to experience deep, abiding hope in our living God? You see, we're in chapter 1 of Habakkuk. We want a resolution but I'll tell you next week we'll be in chapter 2 and things don't get much better. But my encouragement for you today is don't walk away from God in your chapter 1. You continue to embrace but wrestle. You continue to hold on to God because God knows your story. He understands your pain. He hears your cry for help. He wants to enter into your world. Wrestle and embrace don't walk away. Wrestle and embrace. You see, church, there's more to your story than you know. God sees your whole story. We are looking at a moment in time. And so here in your chapter one, don't walk away from God. Continue to embrace him. Continue to ask questions, to plead with him, to call on him, to enter into your chaos, whatever your story is right now. May you experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to do incredible things that you never thought you possibly could, to bear things that you didn't think were bearable. May you experience the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is Jesus Christ, who wants to impart to you the peace that passes all understanding. May you experience the love of Christ in your life in such a way that it emanates from you to all those that you interact with. Whatever chaos that you're experiencing in your life right now, whatever tension that you're feeling, I want you to hear me clearly that God is with you. Embrace and wrestle. Don't walk away in your chapter one. Let's ask God to bless us in this moment. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now just thanking you for your love, for your mercy. 
God, we thank you for walking with us and not walking away from us. I pray, God, that you would give us the strength to continue to embrace you, even in our struggle. That, God, we would realize you have not left us and that we have so much to be thankful for in you and your son, Jesus Christ. Give us the life that we need to pass on to other people around us. I pray, God, that your spirit would reside in us, that you would ease our tension, that you would shed light into the darkness, that you would calm the chaos. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy and mighty name that we offer this prayer. Amen.